Hello and welcome to ProCon. My name is Cesar Satish and I'm your host on today's show. Now last week you got to hear the debate and the closing part of our four-part series on communication. It ended with this debate on this house regrets the narrative of American exceptionalism. Now that debate was very, very lively. We had a lot of arguments brought for the resolution, a lot of arguments brought against, a very intense, rapid fire round, and very succinct and powerful closing statements. After that, you were promised essentially a discussion and eventually, next week, a debate on this house regrets having foreign military sales and direct commercial sale of arms to Saudi Arabia. So today, like we are going to be doing with every single resolution of ours, we're going to be discussing the topic. However, unlike in our four-part series where we discuss, then do techniques on communication and techniques on writing a speech and then do the speech itself and the debate itself, we're not going to be doing that for this episode and this essential series. What we're going to be doing henceforth from popular request is we're going to announce a resolution at the week where we have the debate. So we announced the resolution last week. And then we're going to come in the next week and discuss topics and the reason why this resolution was selected. So our viewers have background coming into the debate and aren't completely clueless because we are trying to foster curiosity, but also further the agenda of education. So in order to help create a balance of that, we're going to have a episode discussing the issue. Then the week after, we're going to have two debaters on the show, or even one debater on the show, and we're going to debate the resolution. As always, that's going to be extremely lively, filled with excellent debaters from across New Jersey, across the country. And we're going to be exchanging viewpoints, having crossfires, having closing statements, and essentially talking about this issue and sometimes playing devil's advocate and sometimes actually advocating for our own feelings. So with that being said, we hope that all of you viewers are now going to enjoy ProCon even more. This change was made by our executive board and it's my absolute pleasure to have implemented this team and to have been in advocacy and in favor of this change as well. Because it is my belief and the belief of the entire ProCon team that we learn better when we understand better. And it's exactly for this reason that we're henceforth having episodes discussing issues because the resolutions that we choose are not something that we just pull out and say, oh, this is what we want to discuss. There's no hat where we have 20 different things and just pick one a week. We carefully think and curate the types of resolutions and the types of discussions that we want on today's show and on this show. So let's begin our discussion on this house regrets direct commercial sales and foreign military sales of arms to Saudi Arabia. So first, we're going to analyze why the ProCon team chose the resolution. That's essentially what today's episode is going to be about. So first, let's look at the foreign affairs. So direct commercial sales, DCS, foreign military sales, FMS. So we're going to start with the foreign part of it. So gun makers, according to this new house, um, the White House resolution 
coming from the president himself, will no longer need a license from the Department of State to sell dozens of types of weapons to other countries. Now, this includes semi-automatic assault weapons, such as the AR-15. And instead of this, sellers will only need a no-fee license from a Department of Commerce, which has less onerous licensing processes and a smaller global footprint. So what does this mean? It makes weapons harder to track. And a copy of the new regulations, marked only for state internal use, says that supervision for exports of any semi-automatic firearms that don't use caseless ammunition will move from the, de- uh, from the State Department to the Commerce Department. The same applies to shotguns other than those that are fully automatic. Now, exports of weapons deemed to have an inherently military function or to provide the U.S. with a military advantage will remain controlled by the State Department. Under the new rules, exporting guns will also cost less. Unlike the State Department, which charges an annual fee of $2,240 for licenses to export firearms, the Commerce Department licensing process doesn't require a fee. So what this shows is that time and time again, our White House is trying to pass regulations that make gun sales much more easier, especially foreign gun sales. And we can't track these sales of arms from our nation. And that's one of the major problems. And the White House essentially is saying, we're going to make that problem even worse. So that's one of the main reasons that we chose this resolution, because the White House is taking action counterintuitive to what we actually really need. So next, let's also take a look at how this has an impact in terms of um, Saudi Arabia. So everyone knows about the Saudi Arabia and Yemen problem. But for those who don't, here's a brief summary of it. So essentially, the conflict has its roots in the failure of the political transition that was supposed to restore essential stability to Yemen following the Arab Spring uprising that forced its longtime authoritarian president, Ali Abdullah Saleh, to hand over power to his deputy, Abradbukh Mansur Hadi. Now, as you can imagine, this president, Ali Abdullah Saleh, was the only president that many Yemenis had known for their entire lives. It's not a democracy in Yemen as it is in the United States. And as a result of the transition, many people were disheartened. Many people didn't want the transition because they wanted familiarity. If you think about it, we like things that are familiar, even though they might not be the best for us. So the problem that Havi struggled with was attacks by jihadists, a separatist movement in the South, and the loyalty of security personnel to Salah, as well as corruption, unemployment, and foot insecurity. Now, the Houthi movement, which champions Yemen's Zaydi Shia Muslim minority, and fought against a series of rebellions against Saleh during the previous decade, took advantage, essentially, of Saleh's removal from office and the new president's weakness by taking control over their northern heartland of Yemen, the Sadah Sada province, and neighboring areas. Now, by this transition, many people are disheartened, and many ordinary Yemen, Yemenis, including Sunni Muslims, supported the Houthis in late 2015 and 2015 and helped in taking over many parts of Yemen, essentially creating the civil war inside the nation. Now, the Houthi security and forces loyal to Saleh and are thought to have his support 
And this is the problem that Yemen's facing. It's an entire civil war inside the nation ever since. So what Saudi Arabia did was trying to restore peace because the alarming uh, rise of the Shia power in Iran and Saudi Arabia and eight other mostly Sunni Arab states, they were extremely worried. Now, Islam is often characterized as this entire religion and that doesn't have its own sectors when in fact it really does. There's the Sunni Muslim, there's the Shia Muslims and many other sectors. And in today's understanding, the main two are the Sunni and the Shia, at least in Yemen and in this conflict that we're facing. So what happens is that Saudi Arabia, a Sunni Muslim state, has seen that Shia power in Iran and Yemen are rising and they started having air campaigns aimed at restoring essentially Hadith's government, even though it is Hadith's, he's losing power, he doesn't have any. So restoring power to the Sunni Muslim. Now, at the start of the war, Saudi officials said that the war would only last a few weeks, but four years of military stalemate have followed. Coalition ground troops landed in the southern port of port city of Aden in August 2015 and helped drive the Houthis and their allies out much of the south over the next few months. Now, Hadi's government has established a temporary home in Aden, but it struggles to provide basic services and security, and the president still remains in exile. Now, that's one of the major problems. So the Saudi government, in an attempt to restore security, have essentially been ravaging the nation. And now this may sound like my personal opinion is coming into play, but it actually isn't. The fact is that this problem in Yemen between Saudi Arabia and Yemen has left more Yemenis hungry, has left hospitals in Yemen scarce without any facilities and any ability to help their own citizen. Starvation and diseases have become common. On June 14th of 2015, the OCHA reported a large outbreak of dengue fever that killed over 113 people and infected 4,000. Patients could not be treated due to lack of water in affected areas. There was also a measles outbreak and health officials considered the breakdown in health services uh, as much contributing factors to the problem. Now in 2015, again, Oxfam's humanitarian program manager in Sana'a said that the Saudi-led naval blockade means it's impossible to bring anything into the country. There are a lot of ships with basics like flour that are not allowed to approach. The situation is deteriorating and hospitals are now shutting down without diesel. People are simply dying because of disease. But how does this essentially relate to the problem that we have? that we're sending arms, we're helping Saudi Arabia um, further this major problem inside of that nation. So let's look at what's happening in terms of Saudi Arabia. And first, let's take a look at their index scores, their risk index scores. So Saudi Arabia has close to 71% in terms of their risk index, and they're our top purchaser. And one of the major problems that comes as a result of that is that we see the Trump administration issue emergency declaration to push 8.1 billion arms deals to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Jordan without congressional approval. 
Proponents of the deal contended that a fresh supply of weapons is necessary to counter the mounting Iranian aggression. But it doesn't put U.S. security interests at risk. They say that, but it doesn't. All of these weapons have proven to go into Yemen to further the disparity, further the war in that area, and further ravage citizens' lives. Now, the provision that is allowing essentially Trump to do all of this, the Arms Export Control Act, has, used, been, has been used four times in our country's history. 1984, 1976, 1990, and 2006. And now it's there in the United States. The House also voted to repeal the 2001 authoritarian for use of military force, a law that has been criticized for essentially granting the president too much power. And we don't know much on how that went down in the Senate. Now, when the Saudi, where Saudi Arabia fits into the global arms trade is their, their number one purchaser and essentially giver of arms is the United States. A lot of our a lot of their arms comes from the United States, and China and India are the second top arms buyers from two thousand two to two thousand and seventeen. Now the U.S. is the world's top arm exporter, as expected, competing with Russia and China, and in a global market, they're worth up to eighty nine billion dollars. Currently, as I said before, Saudi Arabia's number one buyer, purchasing nearly three times as any other country in the past two years. Arms deals tie ethics to economics and they can exacerbate geopolitical tensions in areas like Yemen and North Korea. Now the main contributor in violating contracts to export American arms in support of the Yemen civil war, which yields large debt tolls, is our sale of arms. Saudi Arabia, and United Arab Emirates, its main partner in the war, have used U.S.-manufactured weapons as a form of currency to buy loyalties of militias or tribes, bolster chosen armed factors, and influence the complex political landscape, according to a local commanders on the ground and analysts who spoke to CNN. So all of these clearly show how there is a problem and how the essential affirmation of this resolution is going to be easy. But you can negate it. And as a hint to our debaters who are going to come on next week, we've already mentioned the names of the country, China, and there's another one, Russia. You should extensively research them and potentially look into how we are going to lose footholds in that area, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula and all the uh, places surrounding them, and essentially our footholds in the Middle East, if we were to affirm the resolution. But the reason why we chose it is because of all of these problems. There's humanity involved, there's economics involved, there's geopolitical tension involved. So there's a bit of pathos, ethos, and lothos. And that's what we want to see in each of our debate. We don't want it to be a one-sided, just humanitarian cause. We don't want it to be a one-sided, just economic cause. We want it to be a multifaceted point of view that is bringing out and that is coming out inside of our debates. And it's exactly for this reason why we chose the Saudi Arabian conflict. So now that you know more, perhaps you're incentivized to research more. Learn more about the side that we were talking about in today's debate. So it's exactly for this reason we have chosen this resolution. And we'll be doing this essential affirmation versus negation and the validation of our 
cho- topic chosen topics every single week so you understand why we're choosing the topics we are. And if you have requests, obviously email them to us at proconspeechanddebate at gmail.com. We have already gotten many requests, some of them humanitarian causes, some of them a bit more economics and technical related, and we are excited to bring a few of them onto our show and we will be crediting the authors and of these resolutions if they would like to be credited and we love hearing from all of you so if you have anything to share with us maybe you liked one of our episodes maybe you have some constructive feedback feel free to do so at proconspeechanddebate@gmail.com but that's it for this week keep debating keep being happy and most importantly of all keep listening to procon thank you so much <laughs>